Welcome to the Mount Washington Avalanche Center Outreach Podcast. This week, we are joined by Frank Karras, lead snow ranger, and Jeff uh, Fongemi. Close. All right. I got it. Jeff is new to the podcast, but not new to the snow ranger scene up at Hermit Lake. I think many of you that have been up there probably met him or come across him. And I figure introduce yourself, Jeff, let people know who you are, where you come from and how you got involved with the Mount Washington Avalanche Center. Um, this will be my fourth season with the Avalanche Center. Um, I live in the Valley. I've lived in the Valley for 20 years or so. I'm from New Hampshire and my background is in, uh, I was a guide here in the Valley. I was a guide for about a decade for rock and ice climbing, which got me into the, the idea of snow science and taking avalanche courses and skiing and just traveling in the mountains. Excellent. So what have you been up to? What do you do in the off season? What's your, what's your summer, summer gig? This year, uh, I think partially because of COVID and partially because I had the luxury to do that, I spent a lot of time mountain biking and working in my house, actually. I've got a little bit of work. Um, I've gone through, I spent about a decade guiding, started to get into web development. So I've got some clients that remain from that part of my life. And I did a few jobs for computer programming jobs and um, largely just enjoyed my summer. That's right. So for anyone who's uh, checked out the the website, mountwashingavalanchecenter.org, it's uh, a lot of thanks to Jeff and his hard work. Is that right? Have you done a lot on the? Have you done some of the back end work on that? Or I did. You, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff will say it's easy work, not hard work. I think that's what he's responding to. But it's snow ranger work that none of us could do without Jeff. So he's been, he's been um, instrumental in I think all the iterations of the, of our forecast page for probably the last decade as a volunteer before he started working here. So that's been helpful. Excellent. Well, well, thanks so much. Great to have you join and hopefully get some other rangers to rotate through and add to the discussion here. So today is, wow, December 7th, coming off a of first uh, weekend snowstorm. Is this going to be the cycle? We're going to have the weekend snowstorms for this winter? Yeah, probably that's it. And nobody will ever get fresh tracks on the Sherburne except for the caretakers. Cat <laughs> just had a, a little bit of an accident here. Um, falling off the high top table. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we had 18 inches of snow fell on the mountain, and uh, a lot of people tried to get out and enjoy it yesterday. I think um, it was a mixed bag. Um, the Snow Ranger team went up to work on the weather station, and we all decided to to not ski or snowboard, um, if that tells you anything. Um, I think mostly we're just looking out for our knees and whatnot on the trail. Um, the reports were that people were taking their skis off and walking down portions of the Sherburne. So really, you know, 18 inches is not really quite enough um, solid coverage for all the boulders and to submerge the, the boulders a little deeper. There's parts of the trail that get scoured off and, you know, it was scoured right down to dirt and mud because um, the ground it's been so warm you know we've had like geez we had three inches of rain last weekend the ground was fully thawed so all the water bars or many water bars or what i know i witnessed at least a few people getting significant icing on their skins you know going through what looks like snow and then you step into it and you wah 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 i, I had a guy come into the shop asking for a scraper because yeah. 
part of your backcountry essentials in early early winters having a scraper on you totally. just for that that reason that and then like a full 12 ounce can of silicone spray maybe <laughs> but but you're right the plow guys here were warning us you know this first plow of the season super messy mm. when they you know we um, we're in jackson new hampshire and and our elevation didn't really we missed it we were in most of the mostly rain and other parts of the state really confusing where the snow lines hit yeah. hopefully maybe i'll get the meteorologist on to, to chime in about this whole storm cycle that came through yeah. i know that you guys like to, f to follow that stuff very detailed and um, yeah it was a it was a weird one we knew that there was a lot of water coming and the big question mark was what's the temperature that was that was a few days out like what's the temperature going to be how far is the center of the low going to be off the coast you know, because its position relative to us is what determines whether it's going to be all rain, mostly all snow, or like half snow with the rain on at the end of it, which is what we also get a lot. Um, this one was just kind of in the sweet spot for some areas where brought lots of water, but only some bands um, really produced a lot of snow. Uh, certainly, we there's a lot of water associated with it. I know a one six hour period alone was almost an inch and three quarters of swee on the mountain so i think the total i can't remember what the total amount of swee i don't know if you remember but it's like two and a half inches of of water during that period of time which and at pinkham notch it's hard to say there's so much drifting probably somewhere around a foot maybe a little more but 18 inches or 35 centimeters at the snow plot at hermit lake so it was a it was a doozy, you know, people were post-holing if you're hiking. Um, but, you know, the main thing to remember, if you want to recreate, well, two things. One is our avalanche paths aren't very well developed. Our snow fields aren't that deep. We don't have a base, basically. But we do get avalanches in some pretty nasty locations. So one would be second pitch of Pinnacle. Um, a lot of people were heading up that direction to go ice climbing. Um, many of the ice climbs in, in uh, Tuckerman's, you know, early season, they've been climbed and people were heading that way. But um, just important to remember that, if, particularly if you're climbing, those small avalanches can really be a problem, knock you off your feet and places where there might not be a lot of protection uh, to begin with. And then there's terrain traps everywhere as well right now. So between between those you know just if you're going out know that avalanches happen before your local avalanche center starts forecasting we'll we're, we'll be um, probably issuing a general snow and avalanche bulletin soon within a couple of weeks most likely depending on how the um, weather patterns go um, but it is really important to know that those avalanches can can happen and then more importantly, really, is, uh, or, or more likely, is just getting injured on the way in or out. Um, I know people get charged up and to get out, get out after it, especially after 18 inches. But unless it's a very smooth slope, like a, you know, a mode ski resort or whatever, um, you're, you just run the risk of a season-ending injury, you know, hooking your tip on a bush or a buried branch or you know rock or one of the many 20 different water bars on the sherby yeah 
there's 130 water bars on the way up the Tucks Trail. <laughs> those skinning around those aren't always that pleasant in early season either. Yeah, it's good to show some restraint and some sensibility. It's hard, you know, with winter being pushed back yeah. as far as it has been uh, this season. But all good, all good points. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the accumulation looks like in the bowl. Summit was f- reporting at least almost 20 inches of snow in the 24 hours. Who knows what that's going to look like with the severe the severe winds we had. It's It'll be interesting to see where all that snow went. I feel like you yeah. probably know some some of yeah. it's like some of it's there. You know, some of it was wet snow, and I think early on some of that got pasted, so the mountain looks really white right now. There was a mid band of clouds. We're gonna try and get some observations today and pictures. Um, you know, for our purposes, what we're really looking at is what's is the snow sticking yet and filling in all the the alpine you know that's the alpine zone and that fetch above our east facing terrain is really needs to get filled in before the fireworks really start happening um otherwise it's they're kind of limited snow fields um you know people go into tucks in the summer and you know it's mostly vertical it's like a bunch of cliffs and waterfalls so takes some takes a fair amount of blown in snow to fill those in and for that snow to be blown in, you need um, a surface that the snow can be blown off of. So it's got to be like iced over and snowed on and packed down a little bit in the alpine. So from the other side of the mountain, for that snow to transport, right now it's sort of sticking to the mountain. Yep. And eventually it'll have a, sur- a smooth, smoother surface right. to get redeposited. Correct. Yep. Gotcha. You're hired. Well, no, go back because a lot of the (laughs) listeners come from very, you know, wide ranging backgrounds of knowledge when you start interpreting the weather. Yeah. You're talking about SWE. Oh, yeah. Snow water equivalent. Yes. So, I mean, that's important to know is that you have that much moisture, that much water Mm -hmm. that's precipitating and the equivalent where that breaks down to snow. Mm -hmm. That's when you go, oh, an inch of rain. This could have been two feet of snow or excellent three feet of snow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Sweet figures are easier to gather too for, uh, you know, like the OBS and, and for our purposes too, we collect it in a can and, you know, we typically have 10% density snow. So 10% meaning, you know, 10% is water and then 90% is air. And Utah would be? 5% is, is you know, th- they use those formulas too. Um, they just typically don't have a rain layer associated and it's also easier math, but you know, four to five percent is just blower. Like that's unusually light snow. Even but we do get some of that. We do get that some. Yep. Um, higher. It just usually takes a higher elevation to maintain that that light density. Um, to have the sweet spot where you have enough available water in the storm system and maintain it, you know. When we get those low density snows, it's like an Alberta clipper or, um, um, or just upsloping, you know, and upsloping with cold weather. We had good upsloping during this last storm, um, not as much as I was kind of expecting because I think the storm didn't really get up and over into Vermont that much. Um, so uh, when I say upsloping, explain that one too. Um, <clears throat> 
So when um, the air mass, which typically is moving, you know, west to east here, when it rises up over a range, you know, basically any any range in the country, really, um, that air mass is lifted. And as it cools during that lifting process, the it condenses, creates those clouds that which then spawn snow showers. So there's moisture in the air right now. We look outside and it's clear. Well, if you take took that air mass and just put it in an invisible envelope or box, took it up 5,000 feet, it would cool at a rate of three and a half degrees per thousand feet. This may be more than you want to know. But if you take that same mass and lower it that same distance, it warms up at five degrees per thousand feet. It's kind of a, a magic. I think it might be the fourth law of magic. It's going back to high school Physics. ecology. Yeah. Learning about adiabatic adi- 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 cooling, something yep. along those lines. Rate, yeah. The there lapse we... rate. Yeah. But no, it's still upsloping today, right? Like. Um, I think it might you be done. You think it's done? At it. Yeah, it seemed In, like it to me, but um, there was there was some mid elevation clouds. It was they're denser. This it was denser this morning, but it seems to be drying out now. I think high pressure is moving in. It's my Friday afternoon. I'm going on my weekend, so I didn't really look too closely at the weather, other than it's nice out. Mm-hmm. Same here. <laughs> Same here. So Jeff, what do you guys what do you guys have going on today? This next week, we always like to look look into the 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 next week coming up and what should people be aware of? And I know there's some, there's one more event coming up that we should promote as well. Oh yeah. I'll talk about that, I guess. And then, yep. So, um, we are having, uh, Mike Austin who spoke here with you last year when he was, he was visiting from France. Um, he is going to be, um, presenting his topic is, uh, making better decisions in avalanche terrain. Mike, um, works as a ski guide, in France and other places and um, runs a, um, basically an avalanche education outfit with a, a fully, you know, IFMGA guide there in Chamonix. And Mike skis all over the world and um, he's, you know, we've been on some adventures together, but he is, uh, you know, really not only knowledgeable, but the really best thing about Mike is he's got that dry kind of English sense of humor. So he's got some, uh, he's a good presenter and he's going to present. That's Thursday night at seven. And there's a, there'll be a Zoom link at esaw.org and through the Mount Washington Avalanche Center social media outlets. So you can check that out. That's free. Gotcha. Well, that was in, I think last week's show notes, we tried to link to the events page, the, the Google calendar to give people heads up so they can set alerts and remember mm. that these these things are happening. Yeah, and don't forget that it, um, I think despite what may have uh, you might have thought last week, it wasn't a Google Meet. That was my bad on the calendar. So there'll be Zoom um, Zoom talks. So you want to make sure that you don't try to go to Google Meet. You want but to Zoom it. talks on the get on the Google calendar. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you you we'll get that on our on our events page and on the calendar and go to esaw.org too if you want to just get um there should be links up there now for this talk thursday night and then jeff is working on some big stuff 
I think anyway I think it's gonna be a big improvement for our product yeah I've been I've been my head had my head down a little bit not not quite tracking the snow as much as Frank has I'm kind of in a, a, bit, a bit of a rush we our for our website we've this year adopted what's called the forecasting platform put out by the um, by the NAC the National Avalanche Center and they've got this suite of tools they actually call them the Avalanche Center web tools and we are adopting last year on our website if you looked at the our, our our map which told you the danger rating that was part of a map which is part of the suite of tools from the National Avalanche Center this year we're adopting the forecasting platform which means that we'll be able to use their platform to write and publish the avalanche forecast which will then show up on on our website and um, it's I think it's gonna be a great inter a great thing to do for our website if um I think maybe it's worth talking about a little bit of history like why this is all happening if you go back for avalanche centers are, are largely independent we all kind of run independent of other avalanche centers in the country we share we share common knowledge we share um, you know concepts we all know what a, a moderate rating day is for say a particular avalanche problem we're all talking apples and apples as far as that goes um, but as far as each individual avalanche center's ability to to convey that to the public we're we're on our own or we have been on our own up until now and that was fine in, in the past when when avalanche forecasts were written documents basically typed or written and it's just a sheet of words and you could read it it didn't seem to make a difference but now with technology and people are I think the forecast product itself is getting better we're doing a better job using icons and visual aids to help people assimilate what's going on and help them remember it for the day that's a challenging thing to do for an independent for an avalanche center the technology used to put that all together and make that happen um, requires a fair bit of work a fair bit of infrastructure and it's and frankly it doesn't make sense if you if you think about each each avalanche center having to come up with their own get their own web developer to put all the stuff together to make it happen we're all it's it's kind of a waste of redundancy we're, they're all doing the same thing where we could all be doing it together and the avalanche the the National Avalanche Center figured that out so they put together a, a small committee to, to address this and they got a few tech people and it's been evolving they've they've been adding parts to this to this product but so they what they're doing now is they've developed this this suite of tools that in that Avalanche centers can now sign on to and incorporate parts of this this technology problem into their website so that we don't have to keep on reinventing the wheel so for the for us the benefit for us as an avalanche center is it reduces and I think for all avalanche centers it reduces the the overall cost and the and the struggle to keep up with technology for being able to present this this forecasting the information in the forecast um, you know as we're we're snow ranges I think all probably all avalanche centers the same way we struggle with funds limited limited with funds and so if we could remove that equation have have less of, of less development time and more field time it's better for us so um, pooled resources part of that is is key and you know there's a lot of other little tech things that I'm not sure that everybody thinks about but you know maintaining backups and um, 
um, making that map functionality work. It seems it's kind of a small thing, but it takes some something in the back end so that you can display a map on your website and have weather stations show up, for instance, or in the NAC case, like if you're traveling out west, you can, and you live equidistant between a number of different forecast areas, there's a map and you can see what areas are forecast for, and you can quickly link to go see an avalanche forecast product. Um, but I think the big big step forward for for us as as a medium avalanche sized avalanche center you know this tool cuts down a lot on the amount of time we need to spend like or you have spent or we have spent talking about and you have spent implementing like making a bunch of uh the danger rows or the avalanche problem um avalanche problem rows compass rows you know something that that i know was yeah, that's, agony a few years ago. That's a good so. example. The avalanche, the avalanche danger rose. It's on our website right now. If you look at the code behind that, I, I'm exaggerating, but I think I look at that. So when we said let's come up with a danger rose and how do we put that together? And you think, well, you just click a couple buttons in an admin someplace and you can make that. But the combination of between aspect elevation and aspect and elevation and the different combinations that can go into creating that little graphic. Uh, it's it's an enormous number. Like and 800 or something. Yeah, like the permutations <laughs> of different icons. yeah potential outcomes yeah. of that. So, um, you know, I, I looked at that and said, well, I need to I need to find I need to jump up. So I, I, I from other avalanche centers, I got a chunk of code that I could start out with. But if you look at this code to create the terrain rows, I think probably the space shuttle was launched on a simpler set of instructions. It's it's enormous, and it's a pretty big task just to come up with that and. Uh, you know, I think for smaller avalanche centers who don't have anybody with development skills, it just seems like it's going to be impossible for them to, to get something like that going. Um, I think the, yeah. the public-facing side, you know, the huge advantage is that if you, as more avalanche centers buy into this, the look and feel of each forecast part of that website that you're looking at is going to be similar. So you don't have to spend as much time fishing around for the weather information for the day or the snowpack history. Um, and right now, I think it was, there were more avalanche centers signing in on this than we even expected. I think there's up to 10 now, maybe, including the Northwest Avalanche Center, which is quite large. You know, they, they have plenty of resources and didn't really need to do this, but they like, you know, like part of our motivation is to create this uh, common product where it's familiar with you or familiar for you when you're traveling. You know, and I think we've all struggled like going to a new place and looking at some new um, forecast platform and you're like, where do I click for this or that? You know, and there's a lot of, a lot of kind of we just don't want technology or the interface to stand in the way of somebody finding the information they need. Ideally, I think that somebody traveling around the country can go to any any avalanche center and it should look and feel the same way. It'd be like getting in your car and driving over to Vermont and their stop signs are yellow and they're round. Right. You'll, you'll adjust yeah. to it, but you might make a mistake now and again. It could cost you your life. Yeah. yeah. You know, all stop signs are octagon and they're red. And I think avalanche forecasts ideally are... are close to that anyways and it's a good yeah. analogy yeah yeah the other part of that that we are working through or i think we've largely worked through and solved this but the um 
danger rating by elevations and we'll come up with a written product for that but um, just as the guidance goes uh, you know just to, to paint a picture in broad strokes you know our upper elevation band and our mid elevation band are going to be generally the bullseye of our biggest avalanche terrain you know gulf slides tucks um, great gulf that's a little bit higher than those um, and then lower elevation bands i think that's uh, below 2500 feet is um you know gonna be your webster lower parts of webster cliff slides and honestly those are places where there's not a lot of uh interaction with avalanches or just people don't get caught and carried that much on occasion they have um or they've had close i've certainly had close calls on mount willard um with sun coming out on 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 that slab there triggering natural avalanches um you know no one's been buried but it does the avalanche problem there is worth thinking about anyway you know and we also want to be ready and not caught when you get that nuclear storm you know and you're like wow there's like significant avalanches happening on my webster and we had no tool to announce that you know more often you know well no that's a good point there's a lot of people that are out exploring looking at these little riverbed stream beds that drop right down to the road mm -hmm. and so those risks are there yeah. and it's just even though that you guys maybe haven't been forecasting they can pull up this tool set look at the elevation aspect of where you're going and the recent snowfall and conditions yeah. and f make a decision based on that yeah, and, and hopefully just integrating that information into your plan, whether you, um, you know, anytime you're going out, having more information is better than, than less. Even if that, you know, even if our danger rating seems off that day, like, hey, maybe you're at least looking for those, whatever the problem is we had been discussing. You know, the bigger the terrain or the bigger the forecast area you're trying to apply the forecast to, obviously the less accurate you're, we're going to be. You know, with pinpoint accuracy, we can't say, right? That's not necessarily the goal. You know, the it's most folks are many folks probably people that are new here are just using the danger rating to make their choice before they go out, and that's great. You know, that's better than better than not making any decision at all and just going going because you have the day off and you're going to go ski golf slides with 24 inches of new snow you know but the the more you dig into this website this platform as uh you know in the past it was the more you dug into our narrative the more we might be triggering some cues for you internally that you can file away once you start getting into the terrain about things to look for and this is just really a continuation of that. I think for our users looking at the forecast, it's not going to be hugely different. Yeah. A lot of look and feel is going to be similar to what we had last year. And there's still lots of room in there for narrative. We're going to get to describe things as accurately as we can. And, and so we're not going to lose, I think, the sort of personality side of it. It's not just going to be icons and pictures. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. That that will hopefully. Yeah. That that'll never go away. I think right, it's right. helpful 
for us to be able to basically blog about the things you know once you get deeper into our forecasts that's often where right. where we go from time to time right, right. try trying to keep ourselves from getting on the soapbox from time to time but right. um that that written piece particularly for in the doldrums you know can i don't know justify us doing what we're doing because <laughs> getting paid but also giving some people locked in their office something to read something and to read. stay a little connected so it's also a good tool you know sometimes the forecast it's not just you know moderate means a lot yeah and and so sometimes the written part is to try to flesh out the nuances of what that actually means for today's avalanche problem yeah. is you can't you're never going to convey that with just icons i mean icons help a lot yeah but uh, yeah same reason the danger rating is just the that's just the uh, that's the stop sign, right? Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, we want people to dig dig deep, and we try to put it in layman's terms, and acknowledging that you know people are also educating themselves and learning to make their own decisions, um, sort of regardless of the danger rating. You know, we're like, there's good skiing to be had that's that's safe enough on a considerable day, right. but there's certain places on a day like that where you definitely don't want to go right right so someone who's starting out it's wise to go oh, it's considerable i'm definitely i'm not going anywhere near avalanche terrain um right. but somebody with a experienced party and some avalanche education might be able to get some good skiing in a zone that, that doesn't have um you know where they can avoid that avalanche right. problem right so. considerable doesn't mean every square inch of our terrain is considerable yeah Right. You just have to know where to go and where not to go. Yeah. It's always the case. So the other the, the other nice thing with the new forecasting tools, and we, we started doing this in the narrative last year, but forecasting for the following day as well. Mm. So there'll actually be a, a danger um, outlook. rating by yeah, the outlook. Yeah, yeah. By yeah. by elevation. So right. we're we're all holding our feet to the fire. A self-imposed kind of way to come up with that danger rating the next day but we've often talked about it i think or we've often mentioned that like tomorrow's would be a better day right mm -hmm. like or don't go out today let it settle which is what we were getting at last winter when we're doing these podcasts with you know what's the best day yeah if you're gonna mm -hmm. this is your window to get, yep. get out which day do you definitely target and then when you target it what are you really looking at yeah yeah, and we'll keep doing that with this podcast. I think it'll be the danger rating again will just be it'll in some sense it'll be just kind of a shortcut and kind of too easy for us to just pick a rating for the next day that seems likely, but there will be no nuanced narrative about it for the next day's rating. But it may be an opportunity for you to give yourself a reasonable alternative, you know, or, or at least some impetus not to go out when you shouldn't be going out. Excellent. Well, thanks for some of the behind the scenes and the technology end of things. What do you guys, you guys are heading up to Pinkham Notch right now, right? We have a meeting with the, we're, we're actually doing it remote. We're going to meet with the caretakers from Hermit Lake, Harvard cabin in the front desk at Pinkham Notch to talk about messaging strategies with folks this year and search and rescue call out um, strategies and our usual preseason thing well it's here preseason we're in season yeah 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 it's true 
I'm a little late, I guess. All right. Anything else you guys want to mention before we wrap this up? Um, look for the Avalanche Awareness calendar to get filled out soon. So if you haven't been to an Avalanche Awareness talk, um, we'll be scheduling those very soon. We are working through some technology issues with Zoom and um, kind of have that ironed out. And we'll be posting that very soon. Excellent. Yeah, and we've got we're collaborating with Synet Mountain Guides to do some AVI kit workshops. So say nice. you just got an AVI kit and you want you want to use it, learn how to use it, get some explanations before you get into any sort of actual use, whether it's with a guide, with uh, a, a class. A class. Yeah. So you can come and, and knock out some of the basics of Beacon okay. Shovel Probe. And we have two, two, I think we already have, classes are almost full, but if you just get on the email list, we'll definitely host more. And this is free. This is like our job trying to do some outreach and get people educated on their gear and help help eliminate some of the the questions you might have going to the class so you can really dig into the the more specifics of of yeah. your avalanche training great let's get that on the uh, avalanche center calendar yeah done all right well yeah it's in our it's in our we're just feeling it out and seeing what the demand looks like and obviously this is uh the year with uh Oh, yeah. The interest. I think those things are always popular. Are they going to be in person or virtual? This will be in person. So we're going to keep the group sizes small and it's going to be outside. And Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And those, I assume those could be used as a a tune-up for someone maybe who hasn't had a class in a long time. or Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. you know, it's definitely catering to the new, the, the newbies. But yeah. there's no, everyone should be getting their gear out, practicing training. Yeah. And then learning relearning from a different instructor is going to help yeah it's they're, they're, everyone's going to have a little something different to add that you can gain for sure knowledge yeah from. yeah and just sounds like a good opportunity to get out with where there's other beacons on it some people don't have that opportunity if they live far from somebody or they live somewhere without a lot not a lot of snow yeah especially if you're new and you don't have a partner yet and yeah. you know no one really to train with potentially but yeah. good deal all right. Well, thank you guys. We'll, we'll chat again soon. Uh, Jeff, pleasure having you. And oh, big a little, little shout out. Cliff Bar dropped off some product. We're going to hand off to the, the Rangers here and Ski the Whites Coffee Company. So we'll be fueled on our SAR missions by spiced pumpkin pie Cliff Bars. And when we had some pumpkin bread from from the roaster oh, himself. Yeah, that was delicious. But yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, enjoy your Zoom meeting. Thank you. Thank you.